This is KMTT. The week begins with a shiur by Harav Benjamin Tavoy, a series, weekly series, on uh, modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic. Harav Benjamin Tavoy. Today we will discuss the Sfarim Divrei Menachem written by Rav Shlomo, by Rav Menachem Kasher. Rav, if I would really describe all the work that Rav Kasher has done in his lifetime, I would use up the entire time of this podcast just on mentioning the amount of work he did. To make it very brief, Rav Kasher was born in 1895 in Warsaw. He was a Talmud of the Avdin He received the Torah of the Avdin And he eventually received smicha from Rav Meir Dan Platsky, the famous uh, author of Chemdas Yisrael and others for him as well. He grew up as a, in, a in a Hasidic background and was close to the Gera Hasidim. In 1925, Rav Kasher came to Eretz Yisrael, sent by Ger, to establish the yeshiva of Sfas Emes, the Ger Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. He was, at a time, the head of the yeshiva, the Rosh Yeshiva of the Gary Yeshiva of Yerushalayim. However, Rav Kasher is more well-known for the number of, for many different works that he edited, that he wrote, that he published. Perhaps the crowning accomplishment of his life is the Torah Shlema, which is an encyclopedic work on Torah Shebichtav, bringing all kinds of sources that are found in Midrashim, many of them from manuscripts that Rav Kasher printed. In the end of the volumes, of the many volumes of Torah Shlema, there are Miluim, which are long expositions of various issues that were raised in the Torah Shlema by Rav Kasher. The Miluim by themselves are a major, major work. For this effort of Torah Shlema, Rav Kasha received the distinguished prize called Pras Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael. He, Rav Kasha was had this type of encyclopedic approach, and he wanted to show not only how you could do this with Torah Shlema, but you could do it with the Gemara as well. And he printed one volume as an example of how to do this in Gemara, and he called it Gemara Shlema. It had, the entire volume only has in it nine pages of, Mas- of Maseches Psachim, and although it is brilliant and very encompassing, it seems to be quite unwieldy to do this on the entire Shas. Continuing the encyclopedic approach, Rav Kasher wrote a Haggadah, which at one time was called Haggadat Eretz Yisrael, and later on it became known as Haggadah Shlema. And also there, he has many, many original ideas brought from Midrashim, from manuscripts, and he has his own explanations, and as as the Miluim on Torah Shlema, there are certain Miluim like that on Haggadah Shlema. He also worked in a major bibliographical work called Sarei HaElef to list off and, and describe the various uh, books of the Hebrew literature of the Elef, of, the, of, the, of that millennium. As a student who felt 
close to the Raghachavar. He actually wrote to the Raghachavar questions and received answers. Rav Kasher was very involved in the Torah of the Raghachavar, and therefore he founded a, an institute in New York to print the various notes of the Raghachavar on Shas. A number of volumes were printed on Bavakame, on Sanhedrin. Others also were printed by Rav Kasher. He also wrote a book called Mefa'aneach Tzafunos, a very interesting play on words. Since the Raghachavar's name, the book was called the Tzafnas Paneach, of course that's the name that Paro called Yosef, and Tzafnas Paneach, Tzafun means hidden, Paneach means revealed, and since the Raghachavar wrote in a very cryptic manner, the Rav Kasher decided to print a book called Mefa'aneach Tzafunos to somehow solve and explicate these cryptic remarks of the Raghachavar. Another of Rav Kasher's many works was a to edit a series of modern halachic issues called Noam. There are many volumes appeared of this series called Noam, where halachic issues were written by the various gedolim around the world. The last book that I'll mention, although there are others that Rav Kasher did, is a famous work that the Zionist religious Zionists call their own. A sefer called Hatkufa Gdola, the Great Period, where Rav Kasher quotes again many, many sources and describes how this period in Jewish history is actually part of the Geula process. So you see a great Gaon, a Ger Chassid, Rosh Hashiva of Ger, who becomes a, a, a writer of encyclopedic works, who is involved in modern halacha, who is also a great Zionist. Now, the works that we are going to discuss are a number of volumes called Divrei Menachem. Now, really, Divrei Menachem has in it halachic issues, many of which have been discussed in this series. Issues like transplants, Shemitah in, in our generation, the international dateline, but he also has specific she'elot u'tshuvot within the volumes of Devei Menachem. One of the most famous pieces that he has in Devei Menachem is in a long contrast about the Tikkun Eruvin in Manhattan. Rav Kasher was one of the proponents of establishing the Eruvin the Eruv in Manhattan, and he explained why, in his opinion, it was permitted to put up an Eruv in the city of Manhattan. Of course, his work on the international dateline was also very important. We'll discuss some of the chuvos that appeared in Divi Menachem, as well as two or three of the general uh, discussions that he had, which are not really chuvos, but birurei halacha that he wrote himself. The first point I would like to discuss is a tshuva that appeared in the fourth volume about putting up mezuzahs in chatzeros. Now, the people that are familiar with Yerushalayim know that there are areas where many houses are built within a certain uh, location called a chatzer, and there's a gate to that chatzer. And it seems that many people had not been meticulous about putting up a mezuzah on the 
Shar, on the outside gate. And Rav Kasher explains the reason for that is in Chutzlaretz, when they had similar types of housing, people did not put up mezuzahs, and the, but the reason that it was done, that it was not done actually, was explained by Rav Kasher for the same reason that people didn't light Hanukkah candles outside. They were afraid of the non-Jews. They were afraid that their menorahs would be stolen. So he claimed, Rav Kasher said, that people did not put up a mezuzah on the outside gates because they were afraid of people coming to steal the mezuzahs or treating them in a manner which is a bizayan, which would be a disgrace for the mezuzah. And he quotes from the Archas Chaim that this was the minik in, in Yerushalayim because they were afraid of the robbers, of the thieves, and they were afraid of bizayan. Now, Rav Kasher says in our generation, when we do no longer have such an issue, it seems that there should be a chi of mezuzah. You should put up a mezuzah on the shahr as well. As a side comment, I was asked last year about students in a certain dormitory in a, in a university in America where the boys actually did put up mezuzahs and they were stolen and they were taken down. And then they asked me, how many times do they have to put up mezuzahs when they're afraid of being taken down and, and stolen? You does, must remember that we have to also discuss what is the actual chiyuv, what's the obligation of putting up a mezuzah in a dormitory situation. But the factor of having the mezuzah stolen or treated in a disgraceful manner is definitely a serious issue that has to be concerned, that you have to be concerned with. With the assumption that this no longer applies, and Rav Kasha is referring specifically in Eretz Yisrael, he questions why people don't put up a mezuzah, and of course says that they should put up a mezuzah. He points out the fact that there are certain qualifications necessary for the chiyuv ha-mezuzah. Perhaps not all of these qualifications are met, and therefore there is no actual obligation to put up a mezuzah. Rav Kasher compares mezuzah to the mitzvah of tzitzis. We know that the mitzvah of tzitzis is a mitzvah that without wearing a garment of arba kanfos, if you don't wear a four-cornered garment, you're not chayv and tzitzis. Nevertheless, the Gemara points out that in, in a time when a Kaddish Baruch Hu is somewhat upset with Klal Yisrael, when he is in a, in a state of anger, HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes people for not observing the mitzvah of tzitzis, and we see Gemaras that say how important it is to fulfill the mitzvah of tzitzis. The Rambam is very eloquent about the mitzvah of tzitzis, which he does call a mitzvah hechrechis, a mitzvah that's absolutely required of every Jew who lives under normal circumstances. Rav Kasha compared that to mezuzah, and said a person should make every effort to fulfill the mitzvah of mezuzah, and even if these qualifications are lacking, and you're not technically chayv mezuzah, you should see to it that your shahr, your gate, does require, does have the necessary requirements in order to be chayv and mezuzah. Now, in an interesting point, Rav Kasher adds that the mezuzah, besides the fact that it's a mitzvah Hashem, besides the fact that it's an obligation to fulfill a mitzvah like any other mitzvah, 
And he, as I said, he compared it to tzitzis that you should make an effort to fulfill. Ravkasha said, let us remember that tzitzis also has in it the element of protection, both physical and spiritual. Shmira laguf v'nefesh. And he quotes, of course, the Gemara in Menachos and the, and the Rambam who codifies it, that there is a, an element of shmira in having a mezuzah. But besides that fact, Rav Kasher adds a very interesting idea. He says, therefore, in Eretz Yisrael, there is a, an additional element to put up a mezuzah. Because the, the Gemara says that when you put up, build a house, so you rent a house in Chutz Laretz, you do not have to put a mezuzah for 30 days. But in Eretz Yisrael, you have to do it immediately. Because putting up a mezuzah in Eretz Yisrael is Mishum Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Now, the Svas Emes interpreted that Gemara because since, uh, differently than Rashi, Rashi said it'll just, putting up a mezuzah will encourage people to live there longer. And putting a mezuzah in a, in a house in Eretz Yisrael will just encourage people to stay there longer. But the Svas Emes had a different shot. The Svas Emes said that since the mezuzah is a protection of a, 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 a physical protection, therefore, in Eretz Yisrael, where there's a concept of Yishav Eretz Yisrael, you should not have a house in Eretz Yisrael without Shmirah. Then he said, once we say that, we could say, there is a, Yishuv, a mitzvah of Yishav Eretz Yisrael in putting up a mezuzah in Eretz Yisrael. He says, not only is there a physical protection, but there's a spiritual protection. And he quotes the Gemara, the Pasuk, the, the threat of being lost, that you'll leave Eretz Yisrael, is remedied by mitzvah, by mezuzah. So, the place of the mezuzah is, is Shmirat. So therefore, it has in it Shmirat Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, both physically and spiritually, to put up a mezuzah. And therefore, he quotes other sources that would encourage us very strongly to make sure that every place in Eretz Yisrael has a mezuzah, even if you could technically be putter from the mitzvah, you should make sure you do the mitzvah. He also mentions in an aside that this mitzvah is not just when you put up the mezuzah. The mitzvah, the mitzvah mezuzah is an ongoing mitzvah. He criticizes someone who thought that the mitzvah of putting up a mezuzah is a one-shot affair. You put up the mezuzah, you fulfill the mitzvah. But Rav Kasha proves from other sources that it's an ongoing mitzvah, that every moment you have a mezuzah on your door, you fulfill the mitzvah. And he compares it, of course, to the mitzvah of Mila. That the bris Mila is not just to have the bris one time. But the fact that a person is a maul, a person is circumcised as a kiyam ha-mitzvah every moment. And similarly, in Chiyav and Mesuzah. In the first volume of Divrei Menachem, he raises an issue to do with the Chiyav of Tumas and Masros in Yerushalayim. Now, the Tshuva was written to Rabbi Tzvi Pesach Frank, the Rav of Yerushalayim, in 1938, Rav Frank had written that in Yerushalayim there is no chiyuv chumos and masros because 
the Gemara says that the seven, the years that B'nai Israel first came with Eretz Israel, the seven years that they conquered Eretz Israel, followed by the seven years that Eretz Israel was divided, there was no obligation of Chumas Masros. And since Yushalayim lo since the area of Yushalayim was not divided by into individual parcels for, for, for the different Shvatim, therefore Rav Pesachfang claimed it's not Chayev and Shumos Masros. Now, it seems to me that this discussion is not related to our specific time period. But in general, in Yushalayim, there was never a Chiyuv, an obligation of Shumos Masros. Rav Kasher dealt with this in many, many areas. I'd like to point out one thing that is typical of Rav Kasher, bringing many, many sources to discuss why, in fact, Yerushalayim, why the laws of Chumas and Masters did not apply in the seven years that Eretz Yisrael was not divided into Shvatim. And he quotes, first of all, Rashi in Ksubos, who says, because the Torah said, Digancha, your Dagan, and it has to be had to have specific ownership. But he ever quote, he also quotes an opinion of Rashi that the laws of Maser depends upon the Shemitah calculation, and Shemitah did not occur until after those 14 years. He brought a third reason, that it says, Aser Aser, and Aser Aser is referring Bamakoma Sheyivchar, and until Shiloh was chosen, there is no chiyuv at all. So it's not just because it wasn't divided, it because it was, Shiloh was not specified. He quotes a ritva also, that you only have to bring Trumas Masos when you have a place to bring it to. When you have a place to bring Trumas Masos, namely to bring it to Yerushalayim. But for those 14 years, you had no place to bring it. And the fifth reason he quotes arrived in Torah's Kranim, and he also quotes a Rashmishans, because it was Hefker. There was no specific ownership. And he also quotes uh, the uh, sources there, also quote Rashi. Now, Rav Kasher points out that according to the reason number two, three, and four, namely the reason that it only applies until when Shemitah applies, it also only applies when Shiloh was chosen. It only was applies when there's a place to which you can bring. These reasons no longer apply to once Eretz Yisrael was divided, once Yerushalayim was designated as the as the place of the Beis Hamikdash. Those reasons no longer apply. So Trumas Masos should apply to Yerushalayim as well. In fact, Rav Kasher tries to bring a proof from two Mishnayos that Yerushalayim is similar to all of Eretz Yisrael, in a Mishnah in Masras, a Mishnah in Bikurim, and he mentions that according to the Mishnah in Bikurim, it says that you cannot eat the fruit of Yerushalayim, and, Rashi, and, the, and the Rambam and the, and the Baratunura say, if it was grown in Yerushalayim. So he claimed, and he argued with Rav Kasher, that with, with um, Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank, that Shumas and Masras should apply to Yerushalayim. That would be a general issue. The question, Bizman Hazer, in our time, would there be a chiv chumas masos 
might depend upon another point. You see, the Gemara, the Rambam, let's say, Paskins, that today, Chumas and Masros are only Chayiv Midrabanan. Because, Kedusha Rishona, Kitsha Lashata, Velo Kitsha Lasilevo, and the Kedusha Shnia, Kitsha Lashata, Vikitsha Lasilevo. The first Kedusha of Yoshua was temporal. The second Kedusha of Ezra is permanent. However, the Chiv of Chumas and Masros does not depend upon the second Kedusha, but it depends upon the Kedusha which has Bias Kulchem. When the entire community of of Am Yisrael came with Eretz Yisrael. So therefore the Rambam said, Shumas and Masros today are only Midrabanan. So the Minichas Chinuch asked, if that would be true, then since the Rambam did Paskin in the laws of Hilchos Beis HaBechira, Perek Vav, the Rambam said that the Kedusha of Yerushalayim is permanent, then he, the Minichas Chinuch thought that Shumas and Masros should be Chayv in Yerushalayim. Specifically, because the Kedusha is permanent. Many Achronim, I think Rav Tzik Pesach Frank and others, have answered this question by saying the Trumas and Masros depend upon the Kedusha of the earth, Kedusha's Karka. When we say the Kedusha of Yerushalayim, we're not talking about the Kedusha's Karka. We're talking about the Kedusha's Avir, the Kedusha in the very air, atmosphere of Yerushalayim, the Kedusha of the Beis Hamigdash. And that's not a Kedusha's Karka. Trumas and Masros in Yerushalayim would have the general din of Eretz Yisrael. So, at most, we could say the, the laws of Chumas and Masos Yerushalayim would be dependent upon the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael at all. Rav Tzip Pesach's Frank Chiddush would be that even Yerushalayim, there would be no Chi of Chumas and Masos because Lon is Chakalashvatim. In that respect, Rav Kasher disagreed with him. Let us turn to one of the Birurei Halacha that's found in the first volume of the Divrei Menachem, but also a question that we have mentioned in the past, but interesting to see Rav Kasher's take on it. Rav Kasher wrote a letter to the Ragachever, in which he asked him, do we have to have um, the laws of Yom Tov Sheini in the new cities of Eretz Yisrael? Now, obviously there are cities that in Eretz Yisrael that existed from time immemorial, and in those places, the custom, of course, is to keep one day Yantif. However, in the new cities, and it's very interesting to, to hear how Rav Kasher wrote this letter. He wrote to the Ragachever and said as follows. In Simon base of the, the Chuvas. He says, in the new villages, the cities that were established in Eretz Israel, this was lit- written in 1936, and also those that will be built soon in Yetz Hashem, in places where there is no settlement. They're not within the border of any other city or of any, any other uh, settlement. So he claimed, what would be the din in those cases? Now, Rav Kasher himself wrote a lengthy article to the Ragachever in which he presented his view of the subject. And he discussed, of course, the famous controversy between the Rambam and the Ritva. The Rambam felt that the cities in which the Shlichim got to, at the time when they were sent the Shlichim who, from the best in, in Yerushalayim to tell people when Yantif would be. So the Rambam said those cities 
that the shlichim got to, they would keep one day, and the cities that they didn't keep to would keep two days. The Ritva said, today, the general principle would be that in Eretz Yisrael you keep two days, in Chutzah you keep one day. He did not make it dependent upon the place where the shlichim came to. Rav Kasher dealt extensively with this machlokas in his encyclopedic style. He quotes even manuscripts, many Rishonim, a discussion of this issue. It would seem logical that if we follow the opinion of the Rambam, we're in a place where they establish a new community, there was no history of Shlichim reading, reaching those places, so you would have to keep two days. Whereas according to the Ritva, since it's part of Eretz Yisrael, you would have to keep one day. And therefore he has the Ragachavar for his opinion. The rumor has it that the Briskerav, Rav Yitzchak Zev HaLevi Salavechik, actually kept two days of Yantif in Yerushalayim, in the old city of Yerushalayim. Why that's true may be a question of conjecture. If it is indeed true, is a rumor that I hear that people have knew him, told me that he did keep two days Yantif. And the reason for it might be conjecture, but it, some people have told me that they feel, that he felt, that the Shlichim never went into the area which is called today, modern Jerusalem, the Ir HaChadasha. They left from the Beis HaMikdash going on their way to Yericho. So therefore he felt that according to the Rambam, you should keep two days in Yerushalayim. It seems to me that the general accepted opinion follows the opinion of the Ritva, that places that are considered Eretz Yisrael are not Chayiv in Yom Tov Sheini, only the places which are considered Chutzarts are Chayiv in Yom Tov Sheini. Rav Rosen, the Rogachavah, wrote a long tshuva. For him, <coughs> it's very lengthy, <coughs> in which he discusses the nature of Yom Tov Sheini in general and tries to explain the difference of opinions of the nature of Yom Tov Sheini. In one of the tshuvas of the Rogachavah, he pointed out that it, it's very possible that Yom Tov Sheini is only a minig. The Gemara calls it a minig, and Tosfas in Sukkah calls Yom Tov Sheini a minig, and therefore it's only Nihuge Yom Tov, but it does not have actual Kedushas Hayom. In another place, the Ran in Sukkah says that Yom Tov Sheini specifically does have Kedusha. The Ragachavar deals with this Machlokas, and a side point that's very just picante, the Ragachavar maintained that if Yom Tov Sheini would only be a minute, there would be no good reason not to put on tefillin on Yom Tov Sheini. But on, if Yom Tov Sheini has a Kedusha Medrabanan, you could understand why you don't put on tefillin. As I said, the general accepted opinion today is that you keep Yom Tov Sheini only in Chutzarts. In Eretz Yisrael, in all places in Chutzarts, you do not keep Yom Tov Sheini. One of the interesting points that I'd like to make is, might be referring <coughs> to a specific issue, but the, the Rav Kasha discussed the mitzvah of sleeping in the sukkah. <coughs> in the fourth volume of Divrei Menachem, Rav Kasha said the quotes and opinion of the, <coughs> excuse me, of the Leket Yosha, a student of the Truma Sadeshin, that in the afternoon <coughs> of Erev Sukkot, a person should not take a nap in order to sleep L'tayavon Balayla. Now that's an interesting point. We know in general that we're not supposed to eat matzah Erev Pesach. 
And people say the reason is that in order to make sure you eat matzah, leteyavam. Did you ever hear such a thing about sleeping in the sukkah? That you should not take a nap in order that you should be tired, that you're sleeping in the night of sukkah should be leteyavam. In addition, the Yeleket Yosha quotes, Ki basukah hashina kovea ikaradira. Because actually sleeping <coughs> is the essence of dwelling. <coughs> Rav Kasha said this is a, a novel opinion, but he really deals with people who said that you should sleep in the sukkah because it's actually more important than eating in the sukkah. He quotes a ritva who quoted certain of the French scholars, the Tamgdoli Hador Sherbet Safat, that said you should sleep in the sukkah the first night of sukkah, even if it's raining, because that's the essence of the sukkah. The Gemara says, Hayashen Tachas Hamita Basukkah Now it could have said, you're not allowed to sleep outside the sukkah. But when it said, a person who sleeps <coughs> under a canopy in the sukkah did not fulfill the obligation. He didn't say it's forbidden to sleep outside the sukkah. Apparently, you do not fulfill the mitzvah if you sleep under the bed, under a canopy. And Rav Kasher posits that it could be that you don't fulfill the mitzvah of eating if you don't really sleep in the sukkah because the, the sleeping is the essence of the, of, the, of the mitzvah. And he quotes, of course, an opinion that a sukkah which is not fit for sleeping is not fit for eating either. If you cannot sleep in such a sukkah, you could not fulfill the mitzvah of eating in that sukkah, because the essence of sukkah is to sleep in the sukkah. Now, without mentioning anything, it could be that the Ger Chassid of Rav Kasher wrote this as a response <coughs> to a famous Lubavitcher minig, who said, really, you should not sleep in the sukkah. For the Kabbalistic reasons, of, of, uh, that Chabad explains, they felt it was improper to sleep in the Or Hamakif. I won't even translate it. I'm not sure exactly to, ex- that I know how to explain it. But they felt that you should not sleep in the sukkah at all. Rav Kasher here posits that a person actually does not fulfill the mitzvah of eating the sukkah unless he sleeps in the, uh, sleeps in the sukkah. Of course, in Eretz Israel, many, many people sleep in the sukkah. <coughs> in Chutzaritz, we rely on the various hatayim of the Ramah, why we don't sleep in the sukkah. Nevertheless, one could question if you actually do fulfill the essence of the mitzvah of living in the sukkah when you only eat in the sukkah. And that's the point that Rav Kasha made in this fourth volume of Divrei Menachem.